Well, amen, amen, amen. Thank you, son. I, uh, let's go to 1 Peter chapter 5 tonight. 1 Peter chapter 5. I appreciate the opportunity to preach tonight. I really, really do. I, uh, I'm not sure about uh, the timing. I mean, OU is playing a bowl game tonight. And if ever in 61 years of living, if, that's a big if, if there was ever a time, Brother Kent, that I wish I was a Longhorn fan, it would be tonight. Because they're at home and I wouldn't have to worry about getting people out of here. But I'm not a Longhorn fan. That was a big if. That will, uh, it'll be a cold day and a warm place before uh, I ever make that leap. Amen. Over the course of the last two months or so, the Lord has been consistently taking me back to the book of First Peter. Um, just for whatever reason, I, I would wake up at night uh, thinking about First Peter. I'd wake up in the morning thinking about First Peter. I would go in the little office there at home and, and read in First Peter. Uh, and really, even more specifically, uh, he's been taking my, my mind to the verses that, that we're going to read tonight. Um, and I know it's not because uh, I have anything new to say. I don't know that there's going to be any, uh, anything revelatory about, uh, about the message tonight. Uh, so I know it's not that, but, but I think really as I've thought about it, I think it has to do with the fact that as I have had the opportunity to travel and, and sit down uh, on numerous occasions with, with pastors all over the country and just give them, a, uh, give them a safe place to share their heart and unload some of their burdens, I, I guess maybe it's because I've, I've just been made keenly aware of how real Peter's words in verses 8 and 9 still are today. Look with me as I begin reading in, in verse 8, 1 Peter chapter 5. Very familiar verse. Be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. I don't know how many Civil War history buffs we have tonight who may be familiar with the Battle of Antietam. The Battle of Antietam was fought on Wednesday, September the 17th, 1862. It lasted for 12 hours and it ranks as the deadliest one-day battle in American military history. Though militarily, the battle was a draw, Union General George McClellan 
was able to end Robert E. Lee's thrust into Maryland, forcing him to retire across the Potomac. Now, to most of us, that information is neither here nor there. But the interesting thing about it is how General McClellan, who militarily was no match for Lee's army at all, was able to do what he did. And here's what happened. Two Union soldiers found a copy of Lee's battle plans. If I understand it right, they found the plans in some, some tall grass. And they delivered those plans to McClellan before the, the battle began. And that obviously gave McClellan a decided advantage against his adversary and thus allowed him to avoid defeat. Now I say that tonight to say this. In the verses that we just read... Peter gives us some insight into our enemy strategy. And along with various other verses and passages of scriptures, which we'll not get into tonight, we can know exactly how the devil aims to defeat us. And what we can do to thwart his attempts. And church, make no mistake about it tonight, we are in a battle. The Christian life is not a playground. It's a battleground. That's why we're told to put on the armor of God. That's why we're told to fight the good fight of faith. That's why Paul said at the end of his life, I have fought a good fight. Our life as a child of God is a fight from beginning to end. But our enemies are not composed of flesh and blood. Our enemies, according to Ephesians 6, consist of principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in high places. And this hierarchy of evil is led by none other than the devil himself, whom Peter likens, get this image in your mind tonight, Peter likens him to a roaring lion walking about, seeking whom he may devour. Knowing these things, Peter says that we are to ready ourselves. And he gives us two ways that we can ready ourselves. And the first one has to do with being sober. That word means serious-minded about the devil. Church, listen, Satan is no joke. He's the real deal. Not only are we to be sober, but he said we are to be vigilant. Or always alert 
to Satan's presence and the possibility of attack. When I think of of being serious-minded and alert, I think of the training that law enforcement officers go through. One of the first things that they learn is that there are no routine traffic stops. There are no routine calls for service. Every interaction that a law enforcement officer has with the public possesses a potential threat. And it's when the, that officer starts thinking that things are routine and they let their guard down is when he or she opens themselves up for either great bodily harm or death. Peter knew all too well the results of letting his guard down. Our pastor just preached about Peter and and his fall there in the book of Mark. He let his guard down. He let it happen to him. And he ended up denying the Lord three times. I believe I'm safe in saying tonight that every time any one of us fall prey to what the Bible calls the wiles of the devil, we can chalk it up to a lack of seriousness or watchfulness on our part. In other words, the last time we, we, we sinned, the last time we gave in to temptation was because we let our guard down. In addition to readying ourselves, we should respect the devil. Now, this should go without saying tonight that I'm not suggesting that that we somehow give any honor to our adversary. But we should, listen, we should have a healthy respect for who he is and what he can do. Much, much like a, an electrician would have a healthy respect for what electricity can do. Or a gun owner would would have respect for what a loaded weapon can do. In the same manner, we should have a healthy amount of respect for who Satan is and how he works and what he can do. Let's note a few things about the devil tonight according to what what Peter has to say here. The first one is this, he's a common enemy. Peter calls him an adversary. But even more specifically, look at it, church, he refers to him as your adversary. Peter wanted to make sure that his readers understood that the devil has a personal vendetta against each one of us personally. And that he is out to destroy us, every one of us, individually. And understand this, because none of us are the same, he doesn't attack us all the same way. Satan, listen tonight, he has his eye on you. 
And he knows where you're weak. As a man, he knows where you're weak as a woman. He knows where you're weak as a husband. He knows where you're weak as a wife, as a parent, as a child, as a leader, as a follower. He knows. And he will exploit those weaknesses whenever he's given the opportunity. Secondly, he's a cunning enemy. A South African author wrote in his book, The Lion Never Sleeps, preparing those you love for Satan's attack. Here's what he wrote. I have seen lions hunting. They will approach slowly, keenly aware of wind direction and staying downwind of their prey. Many times the lions don't care if the herd is alerted to their presence because they have confidence in themselves to succeed. Frequently the lion will run at a herd, not sprinting, but more like jogging to frighten the herd and get them moving. To human eyes, The retreat of the herd may seem quite normal. But to the keen eye of the lion hunting for prey, dinner becomes obvious. He notices who is old, who is tired, and who is injured with a slight limp or any mannerism portraying weakness imperceptible to the human eye. Sometimes he roars. To create panic as he runs at the herd in order to spot the weak ones. And once he decides on a target, he will run past the others to get to the one he has chosen for his prey. No wonder Peter uses the analogy of a lion hunting its prey to describe the cunning nature of our adversary. It's my understanding that lions will often hide themselves near a water hole or trail and wait for an unsuspecting animal to pass by. They're, they're camouflaged by their tan color. And they're patient enough to wait for hours on end. In the same way, the devil, listen to me, the devil often camouflages his true intent. Go with me in your minds back to the Garden of Eden. And there we we get a look at at how he works. He discovers. Excuse me, he disguised his real intent by appearing to be genuinely concerned about Adam and Eve. Hey, let me me stop right there and, and just say this tonight. The devil doesn't care one lick about you or about me. 
He doesn't care about our home. He doesn't care about our marriage. He doesn't care about our health. He doesn't care about our job. He doesn't care about our testimony or anything else. But he'll sure pretend like he does. One of his favorite ploys is to get us to put a question mark where God puts a period. As a matter of fact, the first recorded words of the devil were exactly that. Where God put a period, he put a question mark. You remember what his words were? Yea, hath God said. And ever since then, he has been trying to get Christians to doubt God's word. Now, he'll never come at you and say, don't believe God. That, that's way too direct. But what he will do is try to get you wondering about things like, did God really say that? Is that what God really meant? Is the Bible really the final authority? Is Jesus really the only way to heaven? Did God really mean don't do it? Or did he just mean don't make it a habit? Hey, watch out. He's hiding. He's hiding. And just so you'll know tonight, God said what he meant. And he meant what he said. And what is wrong is wrong. And what is right is right. And what is wrong will never be right. And what is right will never be wrong. And it doesn't matter that it's 2021, almost 2022. This book is still the same. The devil is a common enemy. He's a cunning enemy. But he's also cruel. Very, very cruel. Did you catch what the South African pastor said? about how lions prey on the old and the tired and the injured. You know what that tells me tonight? They love to exploit the weak. Satan is constantly on the prowl looking for any weakness in us that he can exploit to his advantage. Let me point out four specific weaknesses real quick right here in 1 Peter that Satan likes to exploit. The first one is pride. Satan loves to attack the prideful. That's why Peter wrote what he wrote in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 5. And be ye clothed with humility. 
For God resisteth the proud, but gives grace unto the humble. Listen, the devil knows that if he can get a husband or wife to be so prideful that they refuse to admit that they're wrong, then he can eventually exploit that to his advantage. He knows that if he can get a teenager to pridefully rebel against the authority of their parents, then he can wreak havoc in your life. Satan knows if he can get a Christian to pridefully ignore the clear teaching of Scripture and hang on to his or her sin, then he wins. He knows that if he can get a church member to pridefully hang on to an offense and refuse to try and make things right with the pastor or with a staff member or with another brother or sister in Christ, that he can leverage that to his advantage. Pride is a serious weakness on our part that plays right into the hands of our adversary. Not only pride, but fear. Perhaps one of the most terrifying sounds is the roar of a lion. Lions roar for various reasons, but, but one of those reasons is to terrorize and paralyze their prey. In a very familiar verse of Scripture, verse 7, right here in 1 Peter chapter 5, Peter encourages us to cast all of our care our anxiety, all of our fear upon the Lord. And church, we would be wise to do that tonight. But it's the last thing Satan wants us to do. He wants us to be paralyzed with fear because if we're living in fear, we're not living in faith. And faith is the victory that overcomes. So if we're not living in the victory of faith, where are we living? In the defeat of fear. Satan loves to prey on the fearful. He also delights in taking advantage of the resentful. We read verse 9. Peter instructs us there to stand strong during times of suffering. Instead of our pain drawing us to God, the devil likes to use it to drive us away from him. Again, he'll, he'll try and, and get us to question God. He wants us to question things like, like God's love and God's care and God's concern and God's grace and God's presence. Again, listen, don't let him put a question mark where God has put a period. Because if you do, you'll find yourself resenting God. And that's always a dangerous place to be. The prideful, the fearful, the resentful. But Satan also loves to exploit the wandering ones. Now church, listen, listen, listen. 
if you haven't gotten anything up to this point, and if you don't get anything tonight after this point, would you give me five minutes of your undivided attention and really zero in with me for just the, the, the next little bit here, because this is so incredibly important. This is one of the things that, that God has really been, been putting on my heart as, as I, I visit churches and, and listen to pastors talk about how the devil is at work in their ministry and, and in their congregation and, and how he's doing exactly what I'm about to talk about tonight. So please, please zero in here. Go to, go to 1 Peter chapter 4. If you're with me, say amen. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8. He loves to exploit the wandering ones. And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves. For charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another. Without grudging. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. What's Peter talking about here? He's talking about community, he's talking about fellowship. He's talking about our relationships with one another. In Africa, the gazelle is one of the lion's favorite menu items. But a lion seldom attacks a gazelle while it's in the herd. Their plan is to wait until one gazelle strays away from the herd or until they can get one separated from the herd. And then once they have their prey isolated, they move in for the kill. Now, here's the point I want to make. Please listen, listen, listen. The devil, listen, the devil wants to get you away from your herd. He wants to get you away from your people, away from your Christian friends and church family. He wants to isolate you so he can devour you. And one of his favorite and most effective weapons is conflict. If he can get you to start drifting away from the people you need to be close to, I'm talking about your church family, your brothers and sisters in Christ, then he is well on his way to victory in your life. I can't tell you how many times I witnessed this scenario play out in 40 years of ministry. I'm talking about people who at one time, they were all in. I mean, they were at the center of everything. Pastor, Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Every time the doors were open, they were here. I mean, they were in it to win it. They were all in. But at some point, they either got hurt 
or we're disappointed or we're offended and there was conflict. And over time, I watched them lose interest and become more and more discontented and more and more critical and harder and harder in their spirit and more and more isolated and farther and farther away from the people that they needed to be close to. You know what was happening? The devil was poisoning their closest relationships in order to isolate them for the kill. Don't let that happen. Listen, I'm excited. I won't be here, but I'll, I'll listen afterwards. I'm excited. And I don't even know what he's preaching on, but... He's already told us that that pastor already told us he's going to he's going to emphasize in the new year body health, church health. And I'm telling you. It's going to be good. Listen, this book, church, listen, this book is filled with instruction on how to handle situations like I just described to you. Listen, you're not going to go to church with 300, 350, 400 other sinners and never get offended. We've got businessmen and businesswomen in this church and you're, you're, you, listen, you're not going to do business with people without getting your feelings hurt. Without feeling mistreated, without feeling, uh, well, I got cheated. Listen, that's life. Brother Bill was in business how many years, Brother Bill? 35 years, and I promise you, there were times when, when, when church members got crossways with him. Because when you're in a business owner, sometimes, and you don't pay your bills, they got to they gotta talk to you about it. Come on. And I'm telling you, you're not, you're not going to be able to go to church with other sinners without being offended or hurt. Or, 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 or will, will they just walk right past me? Will it ever stop to think maybe they had to go to the bathroom? <laughs> Did it ever cross your mind that maybe they were headed to a meeting that you didn't know about? Well, the pastor, he just walked right past me. Has it ever dawned on you that may, maybe, maybe... Maybe he had something bigger on his mind. He's getting ready to go into the pulpit. And you're, you're ticked off because he didn't stop and talk to you. Or shake your hand. You do realize on Sunday morning he's got bigger things. Listen, I go on and on and on and on. But OU plays here pretty quick. Get thee behind me, Satan. But do you understand what I'm saying tonight? The devil will use those little things. And then he'll start picking at it. And picking at it. Just like I, listen, let's, let's just have a little honesty here. Do we have any scab pickers here tonight? Come on, raise your hand, scab pickers. I am a scab picking fool. 
Uh, look, I, I could show you, you'd be, be pretty gross, but I just cannot leave a scab alone. You know, if I would, that sucker would just heal up and go away, but I won't let it. Where's my wife? Oh, she's got the girls in the restaurant, I think. Sometimes I get these little scabs on the back of my neck. And I, if I would just leave them alone, everything would be fine in a week. But I won't. And I wake up in the morning, there's blood on my pillow. Why? Because in the night, I was picking on that scab. Here's my point. Listen, if you got offended and the devil just left you alone, you'd get over it just, just like that. But the devil won't leave it alone. Right? He won't leave it alone. He just keeps picking at it. Keeps picking at it. Keeps picking at it. And it just, listen, if you've ever picked a scab, you guys know, they just get uglier and uglier and uglier. And they leave scars. Are we okay? Listen, I'm telling you, that's exactly what the devil wants to do. He wants to keep picking at that scab and, 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 and keep separating you from the herd. And, 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 well, I'm not going on Wednesday night. I'm not going on Sunday night. I'm not going to connection group anymore. And I, now it's two out of four Sunday mornings. What's he doing? He's separating you from the herd. Listen, tonight you need to get back in the herd. Because he's winning. And that's a shame. So here's my word to you tonight. Stay hooked up. So you don't get picked off. Make sure your relationships within this family of believers are, in good, are on good ground. And understand that if they're not... You're playing right into the hands of the devil. The devil is a common enemy. He's the enemy of every born-again believer who's trying to do anything for God. He's a cunning enemy, always trying to get us to question God. He's a cruel enemy, loves to exploit our weaknesses and he's a confident enemy. Taking you back to the words of the pastor I quoted earlier many times, the lions don't care if the herd is alerted to their presence because they have confidence in themselves to su succeed. Sadly, the devil knows that there are always going to be weak Christians to prey on. The question tonight is, will one of us be his next victim. The only way to avoid it is to do what Peter said, and that is to resist the devil. Look, look at verse 9 again. Whom resist steadfast in the faith. Now notice, I'm almost done. Notice something. He did not say whom resist steadfast in faith. He said, whom resist steadfast in the faith. What is the faith? The faith is the total body of truth that we call the Bible. The word of God is what Jesus used in the wilderness, Matthew 4, when the devil tempted him. 
I mentioned Ephesians 6, principalities, powers, rulers, darkness, this, this world, so on and so forth. The, the hierarchy of evil in that same passage is where Paul tells us to put on the whole armor of God. And part of that armor is the Bible, which is the sword of the spirit. Remember, church, the devil is a liar. He's a liar. As a matter of fact, Jesus said he's the father of lies. And the best defense against a lie is what? The truth. So the next time Satan tempts you with pride, remember the truth of the scripture. For God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. The next time he tries to, to, to paralyze you with fear, remember what the truth is. God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. The next time he tries to build up resentment in your heart against God because of some painful moment in your life, remember the truth of Scripture. And we know that all things work together for good to them who love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. And when the wicked one tries to separate you, listen, when he tries to separate you from others by way of offenses and conflict, remember the truth of Scripture found in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 32. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. As our musicians come and prepare for the invitation tonight, as you look at your life right now, right now, in light of this message, where have you allowed the devil to gain a foothold? Look at me now, look at me. Have you allowed the lion's roar to paralyze you with fear? And now you're living in defeat instead of victory. Always anxious, always fearful. Well, what about this? What about that? Listen, that's the devil at work. Have you somehow let the father of lies convince you that if God really loved you or cared about you, then he would not have let whatever has happened to you happen? Are you angry at God tonight? That's the devil at work. Have you become prideful in some areas of your life? How about as a husband or a wife or a son or a daughter? How about as a church member? Or as a brother or sister in Christ? How about in your relationships within the fellowship family? As you sit there tonight, has your adversary been allowed to poison some of them to the point that you've been infected with a negative, critical, complaining spirit? Come on, be honest with yourself tonight. Are you constantly nursing an offense? Last question as we stand to our feet. Are you drifting tonight? 
Are you drifting? Be honest now. Be honest. Are you? At the end of 2021, are you where you were at the beginning of 2021? Are you as in now as you were then? Are you as faithful now, as committed now, as positive now, as on board now, as you were nearly 365 days ago? Be honest. Be honest. Well, preacher, I'm here, aren't I? Listen, listen. It's possible. I'm not a rookie at this. It's not my first rodeo. It's possible to be here physically, but yet be drifting. You're not happy with someone tonight. You haven't talked to them in months. You don't even look at them at church. You just walk right by. You've been disappointed. Pastor made a decision you didn't like. Made a change you didn't like. And you're here. But you're not here. Let me say it again. I'll pray. Stay hooked up so you don't get picked off. Heavenly Father, I come before you.